podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello and welcome to the CIM podcast. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Adrian Walcott. And Adrian is Managing Director of Brands with Values and the co-founder of BAME 2020, uh, the home of No Turning Back. And I'm sure he'll be talking to us a little bit later on about some of his experiences with that organisation. Also today, we have regular uh, star guest on the podcast, who is Gemma Butler, who is Director of Marketing at CIMHQ at Moorhall Berkshire. Welcome to you, Gemma. Welcome to you, Adrian. Hello. Hi, good morning. Now, Adrian, people will look at your CV on LinkedIn and, and, and see a, a pretty rocket fueled rise through the sector. When you were at graduate level, did you see it as a serious career option? Well, at university, I, always, um, I was always interested in people, always interested in what engages them. And actually, um, that was kind of what got me to start thinking about where can I, what can I do that involves those skills? I used to run a lot of parties, which was sort of basic marketing, getting people into a club night. And I just liked all the, the buzz and the drive of doing that. And actually, I thought if I can do that at the corporate level, connecting ideas and creatives to brands for consumers, it will be a way of continuing my passion. What was your motivation for going into the sector in the first place? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. The honest answer is, um, I think I watched a lot of Eddie Murphy films and the industry looked quite cool. But there always that scene where they're looking at creative ideas in a boardroom. And I thought, actually, that was exciting. And I wanted to be a part of that. That was where I started to work out, what industry is that? And that's how it started. So it wasn't, it wasn't that you thought this is, a, this is a, way to, uh, you know, a way to riches. It was that you realised you had a passion and industry in bringing people together into marketing club nights. You'd seen a bit of glamour on the, on the movie screen. And latterly in your career, when you actually got into it, you realised, hang on a second, this is actually a serious vocation, a serious profession. I enjoy it. It can be lucrative um, and it can be extremely rewarding. Yeah, well, I kind of realised that there was, there was more to it than that because it was so difficult for me to get into so when I finished my degree at Goldsmiths, having worked so hard to get there in 1995, I couldn't get into the industry. No one would hire me. It's literally, I only got into the industry by doing something different, which was to go to West Africa and work at WPP, Ogilvy in Ghana. That's how I got into the industry. So I knew at that point it was already quite a serious industry um, at the very start. So you actually left London, packed your bags and went to Africa because you were unable to break into the industry in your home city. Is that right? That's correct. So, um, however, there's a whole story around how difficult it was for me to end Goldsmiths with uh, a fairly decent degree. I thought after all of that, um, my passion or desire to get into an industry uh, would it be rewarded but I didn't get a single interview and basically I um, picked up two suitcases went to Ghana didn't know anybody and to cut a long story short um, I met a guy who knew a guy and before you know it I was sitting with the CEO for Ogilvy Africa 
and I was telling him my mission and he hired me instantly and I started working for him literally within two days on Nestle and Unilever business, um, working on TV, radio, press and outdoor. But it started from um, the doors being firmly closed. Gemma, that, that's at once inspiring and also depressing, isn't it? That somebody of Adrian's talents and credentials found a brick wall here in London and an open door several thousands of miles away in West Africa. Yeah, I, I think it just it just goes to show the the many different ways that people you know go into their careers and and the, the different pathways that we can you know that are created or we create for ourselves you know and and marketing as as a profession is extremely broad and I think you know when I when I went into marketing I, I fell into marketing. Um, I, I knew somebody like Adrian. I knew somebody who knew somebody, and they offered me like a six-month uh, job within marketing because I was I was exiting the organisation I was at at the time. And from there, it just kind of grew, and it was through people and connecting with people that I kind of shaped my career um, and the direction it took me. But you know, as as we've discussed in many a podcast, the breadth and depth of the marketing profession. Can make it quite a tricky, tricky one to navigate and really find what you want to do within it. Adrian, when you first encountered that brick wall um, in the UK, um, what did you think were the reasons behind it? More to the point, what do you think was the reason behind the very different experiences you had in London as you did in Ghana? It's an odd one. I didn't really pay too much attention as to what was behind it. And again, I don't want to get too deep, but I already started secondary school in the bottom sets of maths and English. So I was already felt like uh, I really had that feeling of not being part of the mainstream. I worked really hard. I got moved into the top sets, which got me good GCs, good eight levels and got me into uni. So when I came across this barrier of finding it difficult to get onto the grad programs or all the sort of FMCG and service businesses and the agencies, it, to me, it was just another challenge. And how do I go around that? And because I'd been through that pain previously when I was 11 and 12 and was able to get on and get into kind of mainstream education and do really well, I just used the same energy. Um, and that just took me to another part of the world. Maybe being in another part of the world and having a, a, a being from the UK from a marketing perspective probably gave me a bit of standout in that particular market. And I think equally, perhaps, you know, there's a kind of uh, a hidden connectivity between people that look like me in senior positions. It just empowered me, um, saw my creds and gave me my opportunity. Does it worry you, though, that your response, if I may say, is a quite an extreme response to finding a blockage to your career, to, find, to, to finding a wall in your career path? And obviously you had the entrepreneurial vigour um, to actually say, well, you know what? let's sack this off it's not working i'm going to throw i'm going to take my bags i'm going to go somewhere else does it worry you that other people with with similar talents to you um similar credentials may not uh, be willing to take such a such a huge step and they will therefore not get the opportunities which perhaps they deserve yeah it worries me hugely because if i look at that opportunity and what it did for me by the time I came back after two years, I was probably one of the most experienced marketeers of my age because I got to work on big brands. I got to work with big budgets. 
and I got to do some amazing work across all the channels. So when I came back to the UK, um, that was hugely powerful. That helped me get into Barclays, into a blue chip organization where I was sitting among um, the good and the great had been to public school and been to the best unis. I was sitting right with them, with more knowledge than them. And um, from there, I was able to get great roles and navigate my path. So it worries me hugely that actually um, um, that blockage can exist because people who don't take extreme measures, the industry might lose out on um, what colour, you know, they can, not in that sense, but, you know, what colourful people or personalities they can they can bring to the organisation. So I do I do worry about that hugely. And that's, again, slightly worrying, isn't it? Terrifying, perhaps, Gemma Butler, that, um, you know, extreme measures are sometimes necessary. Yeah, and I think this is where, you know, um, it becomes really important to to make connections and meet people and and navigate your career and, and have good you know communication skills and relationship building skills because it's you know that that paves a massive way for you being successful in your career and um you know we, we've we've talked before about how you know especially in the current climate where employ you know employment levels unemployment levels are rising you know people are applying for jobs and people are applying for a lot of jobs and a lot of people are applying for a lot of jobs and i have a worry that you know yes we have all of the the capability and the social media platforms out there that we can we can use to connect but actually you can hit apply probably on 100 jobs and maybe not hear back from a single one because actually there's a sort of algorithm or a screening that's happening behind there. And so, you know, whilst we've got all of this opportunity and we, we're more connected than we've ever been in, you know, ever as human beings, actually that, that um, ability to build solid relationships and talk to people and create those relationships is probably harder than it's ever been as well at the same time which is a bit was a bit is a bit strange you know. Adrian you used this really interesting word when you were speaking earlier about your experiences you used this word navigate that to me is a very interesting word because I think the, the tendency when one's trying to sort of break into the industry is is to go is to is not so much to navigate but to sort of push out to, 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 to apply, to apply, to apply, to apply. And of course, there's always going to be some of that. But to navigate yourself, to plot your route through the industry in some other way, what exactly did you mean when you used that word? Um, yeah, I think I meant it in the literal sense. And I, and I meant it in the sense of um, about finding pathways, right? And in my case, it's about finding pathways to get into the industry. And I think that's the case now. So my blockage or break or, uh, might be quite different, but for people now, they're finding it difficult to get into the industry because of what's happening in the pandemic, et cetera. And I think the opportunity is for them to navigate and find pathways. Because I think you can do that on things like LinkedIn by having a really good profile. You can, there's so many senior leaders going through so much change and challenge at the moment. I believe that if you are a uh, young um, person um, who leaders are struggling to understand and connect with, if you reach out to them and offer to buy them a coffee, etc., I think they will, you know, you're in a world where people accept that. I think these are, it's lonely at the top for a lot of people, and I think youngsters should be bold enough to connect with them and see what can happen. So that's a key tip of navigating. Tip number one, if you like, with this show is be bold, be brave. Go out and try and 
find these lonely people who run businesses? Yeah, I mean, quite literally. I mean, I met a chairman of our company. Um, he used to run, he was a CEO, deputy CEO of Barclays. And I met him literally, I bumped into him into a corridor and asked him if I could take him for a coffee. And we are now um, sort of 10 years later, you know, we speak at least twice a week. You know, there's a, there's a book uh, which I've read cover to cover called The Networking Book by Simone Anderson. And she talks about the difference between powerful, strong connections and weak connections in the, in the world of networking. And a weak connection is, is perhaps someone that you've linked to on LinkedIn or another form of social media. You perhaps never met them. You may have had a very brief exchange um, or you've, you've just literally met them in a group once and, and never spoken to them again. Uh, and then a strong connection is someone like you've just described, someone you've actually met in real life. You've gone for a coffee. Um, there's been, a, been in, in the social terms, a very intense meeting uh, experience there, you know, for, for half an hour to an hour. But you, it's something that both of you remember. Um, and then that then person can then be developed into a strong connection. Uh, and there's this miracle stat in the book which says that weak connections yield you in your career uh, per year, about 0 0.4, 0.4 new contacts or new references which will help you. A strong connection will yield you seven new contacts or new references that can help you. So when you look at that LinkedIn list, it says you've got 500 connections or 1,000 connections. Maybe there's an exercise to be done, Gemma Butler, to work out who are the real strong connections that can help me, that are going to help me benefit, help me uh, ex increase my exposure in the industry? Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you're going to come across people also um, over time where you make a connection and you may not ever come in contact with that connection. But five years on in your career, that connection suddenly becomes important. So I think it's, you know, I think it's really important to to, you know, it's not about volume, isn't it? It's not about quantity of connections about the quality of the connections and I think you know as you said some people will be strong and some people will be weak and my most of my career has been about um about the people I've known within it and and each job I've got has been through my network and through the connections I know and I I went to a performance coach uh, about midway through my career and um he said you know at at your age at your level 80% of any roles that you go for moving forward will be will be made through the people you know and not through applying coldly to jobs um, in the traditional sense. Well, Adrian, that's a mass, that's a huge statistic as well, isn't it? That's actually quite an amazing statistic that actually your network is much, much more valuable than uh, uh, than you might think it is in terms of your career progression. Absolutely. And I think, to be honest with you, um, I didn't always understand that. And I think I'm still learning about it now in our business. Um, because, you know, there's a, there's a whole piece. It's, you have to be brave to kind of, and you have to almost slow down and really look at the universe around you, of people that you know, and really start to think about who, who in that group are, are genuinely enablers. Yeah, who in that group are generally connectors and not just always go for volume. So you talk about enablers and connectors. That's an interesting dichotomy. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? 
Well, enablers are, are people who, who may be networked or involved in things that can help you get your message out or in which case you're looking for work. And, you know, they've got things where you can literally spend more time with them, you know, in the, in the broadest sense. Connectors, I find, are probably easier to describe. These are generally, I find, very senior, um, busy people who don't necessarily have the time to um, uh, give you as much support as they would like. But you ask them, I see you know this person. Can you connect to me? Because I want to talk to them about X. They will do it. Because that sort of activity takes them a nanosecond. And of course, everybody wants to help. And I think sometimes the trick is, is if you've ever worked out who your enablers and connectors are, and you take that example and you go to what is a connector and ask them to enable you, you're not going to get the right response. Those guys are managing so much that the only way that they can help you out of your network is to connect you if you can be quite specific about what help you need and who in their network can help you. So that that's a uh, that's the way I describe it. That's absolutely amazing advice, isn't it, Gemma? That actually work out who which category your network fits into and don't get it wrong the wrong way round. yeah yeah it's like yeah it, it is and and i think if you you approach it and, and look at your network like that i think then it becomes really valuable and that's when you can start getting more value out of it and you know like you said ben you know you look at linkedin and we've all got thousands of of connections on linkedin but actually when you look sit back and look at you know if you're looking for a job or you're looking to change your career path when you sit back and look and think, really think about your network and think, right, who who can help me? Who can actually enable me, or who can introduce me to somebody? And you know, often I've, I, you know, if you look at job roles in LinkedIn um, and vacancies, you'll see other people who work there, or people who in your past that you've connected to who you know work at that place or used to work at that place and I think they're the people you can then go to to say you know can you put me in touch with somebody and I think you know by doing that you're almost hopefully bypassing the hundreds of other people that are hitting the apply now button. In terms of enablers the Bank 2020 um, program that we run sits as an enabler so you know we've been championing inclusion and diversity in the marketing media and communications industry for a number of years now. And we've been running events quarterly where we bring in people who are looking to enter the career, people who are trying to improve the industry um, in terms of practitioners and senior leaders running the industry. Now that is a great way if you're trying to get into the industry to connect or meet you know, a wide body of people. And um, that's one way in which you can use not just people, but organizations as enablers, as part of your uh, networking strategy. And that was part of the reason why um, we set up BAME 2020. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it, Gemma, that actually to find organisations that give you a jumping off point, a platform to building your network is a really strong piece of advice. Because even if, you're, uh, even if you know the tips about networking, uh, you understand the difference between an enable and a connector, if your network is limited to the people you went to university with, uh, you, that's still not big enough for you to be able to really leverage it. So actually getting into organisations like, like BAME 2020 is a great career tip, isn't it, Gemma? 
it's, it's, it's there, that's where we talk about then I guess we move into communities and stuff and, and like Bang 2020 you know CIM has you know we have very similar sort of objectives in terms of creating communities giving people advice and support and you know you're really that's where you kind of get your more peer-to-peer networking you're speaking to people who are interested in the same things marketing um, being one of them communications um, and those sorts of and that sort of industry so you know, CIM, again, we have a mentoring program, but we are an enabler in that. So we have people that sign up, marketers who want to mentor people. So they sign up as mentors and we have marketers or younger people that are coming into their careers or are looking to take that next step. And we we have a platform that introduces them. So we are also enabling and connecting in that sense um, between mentors and mentees. And I think um, in the current climate that we're seeing, um, at the moment, mentoring has become quite elevated and, and people are actually out there proactively looking for people to help them and, and, and support them and encourage them and, you know, provide advice. And I don't know if, Adrian, if you've seen that there's been a real rise in mentoring as well and people wanting to help each other. Yeah, there, there has. Uh, and I think part of that kind of mind shift is to do what's happened with the sort of pandemic and people's personal values are changing and they're focusing more on community and supporting people. So I think there's a natural change in kind of how people see and view the world and their role within it. And I think practically we're seeing that again in Bain 2020 in our, we're running a reverse mentoring program. So that's quite specific where actually we want to get young people of difference into rooms with senior leadership, you know, who look, largely the same and to give them a different perspective because I think what, what's happening is when senior leads think they're giving their time to young people actually they're getting because they're learning more about them how they see the world how they interact with the world what's that mean for marketing what does that mean for sort of the brands they consume so actually you know uh, it, it's not a it's not a giving back from senior leaders to learn more than they can ever learn it's a fascinating paradox that actually they're, they're getting because what they're actually getting is a very large uh, focus group of, of people they don't necessarily knock about with very often uh, or meet uh, particularly often, which is a sort of question over culture, isn't it? That we talked right at the top of the show about going into a brick wall, finding an extreme route in your case around that brick wall and then going on from there. And latterly, we've talked about two groups of people uh, meeting each other who perhaps uh, don't uh, necessarily uh, always think alike or know much about each other. Do you think when we're networking, we need to understand the cultural background of that networking? And by that, I mean, is there uh, a question about when we're doing the meeting and greeting and the connecting and enabling? Is it a question about where we're doing it? and how we're doing it in relation to the cultures of the people involved? My view is this. Um, we are all human and we're all driven by values which inform our aspirations and motivations and are manifested in the way we communicate and the way we behave. And every interaction we have with somebody, uh, after a few minutes, that's kind of what's going on. And when you feel that there's a connection that gives you an idea that you can build a relationship with that person. And that's kind of what we're all doing at the cocktail party or when we're networking is, is seeing whether there's alignment. 
And once you can get that alignment, that's when the magic happens. And I think the same is when you're thinking about joining organisations or when you're in teams. So for me, it's kind of fundamentally crucial. And all the relationships that I have, the long-lasting relationships, even as I, even as I said today, I regularly, our chairman um, ran uh, the retail bank at Barclays. So 30,000 people report to him. And we talk a couple of times a week. We're in completely different worlds. But having been on the journey together, we realise that we share a lot of values. And that's what makes our connection work. So making those connections despite the fact you're coming from different worlds, is not something that should discourage you, Gemma. Don't, don't, don't feel that because these people aren't the sort of people necessarily you would normally uh, uh, cohort with or normally see in your daily lives, don't feel that there is no connection to be made there. No, and I think, you know, as, as Adrian said, we're all humans and, um, you know, we can all learn a lot from each other. The world, the world is a very noisy place. It's a very busy place. Everybody's, you know, rushing around. And I think sometimes you you make a connection with somebody that, you know, on paper or on a LinkedIn profile, you would never think you had anything in common or that you had anything that, you know, you could get out of it. But, you know, you can really you can really meet some people and, and have a connection with them that you would never have expected. Um, and I think those people become really intrinsic in your life. And they, they you know, I've got a lot of connections who um I've met over the years and actually still in contact with them and they're probably the most valuable people I have and and they and they pop up in your life and you know you do you know I wrote a book um which is coming out and I I did that with two other people who I've connected to through my career at CIM um and we end up writing a book together and um, it's really, it's been an amazing journey and it's just something that you, you know, I would not have anticipated. So I think it's really important to, to you know, really nurture some of those connections and, and make the most of them. And I think they can really take you far. Are we talking then, Adrian, about friendships, professional friendships, but actually friendships, genuine friendships here that we're building in a, as we move through our career? I, I, I think so. And as I said, um, you know, I still have a lot to learn in this space. And I say I learned a lot more about it later on in life. So, you know, in the middle part of my career, um, I didn't quite understand that. And I think it was having an impact. Um, but as I've got older, I, I, see, the, I, I see the benefits of it. Um, and it's for, it's for both people. Because I think sometimes people are quite apologetic. Like, oh, you know, if I get that person to mentor me or if I... I'm going to take up their time. Yeah. Well, actually, um, you're not taking up their time. In many ways, they're giving you their time and benefiting from the interaction with you. And that's a really important mutual exchange that you shouldn't apologise for. You're both very senior people in the industry, two of the most senior people in the industry. Is a certain amount of network ever enough? Can you ever sit back and just leverage that network and not have to, and, and, and you know, stop putting... Um, energy into building it? I think, um, you, you you know, you have to water, you want anything to grow, you know, you have to water it, right? And I believe, you know, networking is is, is no different. You, you have to keep feeding it and you have to build on it. I think from my perspective, though, uh, there's one thing that's is absolutely kind of crucial or fundamental is you have to work hard, right? So 
you, you, there's no way of kind of hiding from working really hard in your craft. So when you do get your opportunity, you have to absolutely nail your day, your day job for yeah. your network to then work for you. And then sometimes your network will then reach out to you because you're building fame based on your capability and your success. So I think it's not a given that if you just create a network that it will work for you if you yourself are not delivering in, 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 in your day job. And I think the point that was made earlier on is uh, by Gemma is, you know, you can have that impact across all different parts of marketing. So you can be on the performance side of marketing, if that's of interest, or you can be on the brand side of marketing, or you can be in the social media side of marketing. It really is down to you as an individual to find out what you're good at, what you enjoy, what gives you energy, and use that as the basis uh, uh, to, build, to build your network. So Gemma, learn how to open the doors, but once they are open, make sure you run through them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, appreciate and nurture and grow your network and, and, and use it and, and talk to people and, and don't be dismissive of anything, you know, it, as, as we've spoken about earlier. If it's not working for you, if a connection isn't working for you, it, you know, it's time to walk away from it. But ultimately, you know, use your network and, and, and see it for the value that it can bring you. Gemma Butler, Adrian Walcott, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcast.